If you would like to join me for the reading of the scripture, we're reading from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 through 9. O Lord, you have enticed me, and I was enticed. You have overpowered me, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout, violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision, derision all day long. If I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there within me is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Let us hear what the Holy Spirit says to us this day. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to invite us to pray together. Almighty and gracious God, for the gift of your word that comes to us as it is sung, that comes to us as it is spoken, that comes to us as it makes its way deep within our souls. You know what we need this day. And so we ask that you would enlighten us through your word. Move me out of the way so that whatever is spoken this day might be truly what you would have for us to hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go back to the Old Testament today and get to know Jeremiah a little bit. He is an amazing prophet, one of the major prophets uh, in the Old Testament. And if you want to know how that's measured, the minor prophets are the ones that are shorter in length. The major prophets are the ones that are longer in length. Really, it's, it's rather random. But Jeremiah is one of the uh, major prophets because he has a lot to say. And today, I feel for Jeremiah. I really do. Because by definition, if you are a prophet, you're one that speaks the truth to power. That is not going to be an easy row for you. It's a hard calling. It's a hard vocation. He is the one who has to say, uh, the emperor doesn't have on any clothes. You know, which no one really wants to be that person. His is the voice that must call people to account for their betrayal of God, their betrayal of community, and their betrayal of each other. His very calling meant that he would face opposition from those around him. In fact, you could say that if he wasn't facing opposition, he wasn't fulfilling his calling. So today we're going to talk about in the sermon series about what it takes to create a beautiful day. I want us to, to begin with understanding that being a prophet is hard, and Jeremiah faced many challenges in his life because of that. So let's take a little side trip. Uh, I want to tell you a story about what happened to me when I was a senior in high school. I was co-captain of my swim team. That was the first time that I had been trusted with a leadership role, and for those of you who know me at all, you'll know that I took that very seriously. Uh, I, I really felt like that was a big trust that my team had placed in me. I'd been a swimmer since I was a freshman, and it had taken me till my senior year, till I was voted as one of the captains of my swim team. So it's my senior year, and the season had been rocky, to say the least. 
By the time we arrived at what was the finale for us, that would have been our state swim meet, my teammates were literally at each other's throat. That swim meet was in Oklahoma City, and we were coming from Uluga, Oklahoma, so that meant that we had to spend a couple of nights in a hotel in order to uh, swim at the state swim meet. So we were on our second night there in the hotel, and, and the temperature had risen, okay? The squabbling, the misbehavior, and, and all of the difficulties that we dealt with all throughout that swim season had kind of come to the surface, and it precipitated the need for a team meeting. Now, who is going to be excited about going to that meeting? Not any of us, and I certainly was not excited to be one of the captains of my swim team that night. My selfish need for this to resolve so I could finish my last meet the next day with a good swim meant that my approach to that was to call out those who had been breaking the rules. Honestly, my motivation was simply to shorten the team meeting. You know, let's just get this over with. You're the people that are causing all the problems, and the meeting would be over, and we could all go to bed. It's not how it turned out. Every single person in that hotel room, including my coach, saw me as the problem. And so for the next hour, I listened to the list of complaints and grievances against me grow and grow and grow. And I didn't have the swim I was hoping for the next day as I finished my senior year on the swim team. But before you feel bad for me or get angry on my behalf, please know that I deserved at least half of what was said, maybe even more. But what we know, friends, having been in those situations, having been to those team meetings, is that blaming me was a convenient way around solving the problems that we were facing as a team. And when you put yourselves out there, you know this, right? It's sort of like putting a big target on your chest, when people need a distraction from their own pain, someone who's willing to be responsible seems to draw the arrows. Enter Jeremiah. It is hard to be a prophet. I want you to hear the opening line of the scripture today. This is Jeremiah chapter 20, uh, verse 7. With an emphasis on the word you. So it would read like this, O Lord, you have enticed me. Huh. Can you feel that pain? Can you feel the resentment? Can you feel the bitterness? Can you feel the despair? Oh Lord, you have enticed me. This is the perspective. I loved how the New Interpreter's commentary on this passage puts it. He has been sucked in or suckered in <laughs> to this prophetic enterprise and it is ultimately undoing him. Whether he can withstand the efforts of his enemies to prevail over him is uncertain, but the Lord has already done him in. Is that a hard place to be? You bet. Surely, Jeremiah then feels justified in his complaint, right? As you read through the rest of those verses, you'll hear him say, God, this is what you asked me to do. You enticed me. You're the one that's prevailing over me. These are the words you gave me to speak. And then the text says this, And yet I have become a laughingstock all day long. Everyone mocks me, the text says. Do you, do you know that place? That, that hard place? 
where you've done what you thought you were asked to do and it turns on you. Jeremiah's complaint in this particular passage is what's known as lament. Lament is defined as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And my guess is that over the last five or so months, all of us have had at least a moment where we would lament over what we have lost, over what we're afraid will never come back. It's interesting because in Scripture, and there are so many examples of lament in Scripture, but it's interesting that the lament is often directed at God. Jeremiah was not an exception in voicing his pain to God. That happens all throughout Scripture. Even today, people of deep faith rail against God and shake their, their fists in anger at their current reality and say, Oh Lord, you, you enticed me. You prevailed over me. And I'd like for us to just contrast how that feels to those who are in this area of observing faith versus those who are in the area of living faith. Now, friends, what I want to be able to say to you is that there's no judgment there. It's just, it's just a different perspective. There, there are some of us that live in that place of we're watching what faithful people do. And we're wondering about how it is that, that they experience a God that we hope is there, but we're not really sure. So, so we observe. We kind of sit back and observe. And then there are others of us who we don't have a plan B, right? We have placed all of our eggs in this basket. We're trusting that somehow God's going to come through. It's kind of like the difference between the, the, the chicken and the, and the pig, right, for breakfast. The chicken is a participant. The pig is committed, okay? So, so there are these different perspectives of faith, and it's interesting because from an observing participant of faith, when we read about lament, it seems confusing to us. And we ask questions like, how can you be angry at God? Don't you want God on your side? But then from those of us who are in this other perspective on faith, that the, this perspective that says, I don't have a plan B. This is it. I've invested my whole life in this. I really believe that somehow, some way, God's going to come through then you've been in that place where you can complain to God. You know what it's like where the shards of your life continue to cut you as you pick them up. And still, God is the only place you know to turn. It doesn't make sense over here from observation, but from commitment, it makes sense. Strangely enough, it it makes sense. This is the way the New Interpreter's Commentary sees it. It is the one who trusts in God who complains to God. I love that quote. It is the one who trusts in God who complains to God. The complaints and the accusations, no matter how extreme, arise out of a fundamental relationship that is asserted as the grounds for the petition. The reason that you can complain is because you have a relationship with this God. And thus, you can urge God in prayer. It is only the person who truly believes that God can and will help who dares to challenge the Lord so forthrightly. Do you see Jeremiah? 
You see what he's doing? This is not him saying God has given up. This is him engaged in an argument with one that he trusts. Faithful people challenge the Lord. Faithful people even place the blame at God's feet. I happen to think that's okay because I happen to think God can handle it. And faithful people come to the same conclusion that Jeremiah reached. If this is what happens when I speak your truth, O oh God, if this is it, then I'm just going to shut up and color. So as I was reading this passage several times this week, just sort of sitting with it, seeing how it would strike me as I was trying to imagine Jeremiah in his complaint. And I started to imagine a holy pause after Jeremiah finishes his complaint. He says, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. Silence. Arms crossed, you know that? Back bowed, eyes squinted in challenge. Mm, I'm done. Until... And that's what you see. You see this movement in the scripture. If you allow for that pause until he softens. And what he begins to realize is he can't do that. This truth that God gave him, he says, is like a fire in his bones that cannot be shut up. He cannot hold it in. He can't hold it back. As painful as this truth is, it is life to him. Gosh, I, I empathize with Jeremiah. I know that feeling. And my guess is that most of you who are sharing in this moment of proclamation with us today, you know that feeling too. Man, I wish I could shut up and color. Man, I wish I could just hold it all in. This is not going well. But I can't. In my prayer book this week, I was blessed to read these words from Joe Kadlicek. She says, the journey of discovering what we're born for first seems first to lead us to death. And I had to spend just a moment with that, because that's not what I expected her to say. The journey of discovering what we're born for seems first to lead us to death. That is not a hopeless place, though. I suspect from it will emerge some clue about what or whom we'd be willing to die for. From the cold stone of a threatened life, we instinctively venture back to the fire. And the one that warms us keeps our blood moving. I have experienced many times, friends, that that purpose, that calling, that vocation that won't be shut up includes some death within it. Certain things have to die, and usually first it's my own pride. We've been looking at this movie about Fred Rogers' life, particularly his relationship with that journalist. The movie's called It's a Beautiful Day, and in it Fred Rogers says this, Death is something many of us are uncomfortable speaking about. I have found that nobody usually gets excited when you bring that up in a conversation. Did you know you're going to die? kind of stops the conversation right there. Yeah, that, 
Mr. Rogers is right. Death is something many of us are uncomfortable speaking about. But to die is to be human. And anything human is mentionable. Anything mentionable is manageable. I like that. In fact, I bet Jeremiah would have liked Mr. Rogers. Don't you think? Because Mr. Rogers, he made it okay to talk about so much that is hard in life. Just that little phrase, anything mentionable is manageable. So since my senior year in high school, I've learned a lot about creating safe spaces for the truth. And that's where I want us to to finish today. I want to share with you a cycle, a graphic, if you will. Um, It was created by the United Methodist Board of Discipleship for the curriculum that goes along with this movie, It's a Beautiful Day to help give a visual representation of how Fred Rogers allowed us to speak hard things. You enter it at the top. Encourage readers to learn more. Friends, first we have to create a thirst for a new perspective. We have to want to to grow, to expand our understanding on something in order for us to create a safe space. Encourage readers to learn more. The best way I've found uh, to, to consider that are these two questions. Number one, as I look at this situation or this relationship or this uh, conviction that I have, number one, what am I missing? And number two, what do I still need to learn? Those two questions help create a sense of curiosity in me and encourage me to learn more. Then we have to create a safe space to explore those thoughts and feelings. What I would say about that space is it is a space that must exist without judgment. Sometimes I call it a shame-free zone. However you need to phrase that, it's the space that it doesn't really matter what you're feeling. You're not calling it good or bad. You're not calling it right or wrong. You're simply holding space for the feelings In this space, we can feel those feelings. We can get familiar with them. And that's what happens when we reflect internally and begin to process those emotions. And as you watch uh, the, the television show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, that's what you'll find is that that's what he tries to do is create that safe space where you can then reflect and begin to process those emotions. Eventually, you'll be able to dig deeper and find the root behind the difficult feeling which not only softens the feeling, but also then empowers us to re-engage with our world. I want you to think about how that happened for Jeremiah. He was willing to feel his feelings and to do it without judgment and to be real honest, even with God. God, you enticed me. You gave me these words. And I have to proclaim violence and destruction all around. Nobody wants that job. It's terrible. I'm the laughing stock of everyone. God, why did you do this? Right? And, and Jeremiah, he, he presents all of that without judgment, creates that space so that he and God can reflect internally and process those emotions. And then as he begins to discover the root behind those difficult feelings, he softens. He takes a breath. And then out of that, He re-engages, and re-engagement naturally finds us making the world a better place. And it also helps us be more curious the next time those difficult feelings arise instead of saying, no, 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 I don't want to talk about it. 
who can say, wait a minute, I, I know, we can talk about this, we'll be okay. Friends, where we are, especially right now, we've got to discover safe spaces to talk about hard things. We really need those places where we can have those conversations, even if they're laments. Keeping our feelings to ourselves doesn't help heal us or our relationships or our world. Blurting them out as bullets of blame doesn't help either. I've learned that lesson the hard way. But as we come back to our beloved Jeremiah, let's admire him for softening. Let's appreciate him for his courage to remain vulnerable and available to his calling. And let's thank him for showing us how it is that we stay in the game with authenticity and integrity. Because I would remind you once again, anything mentionable is manageable. Amen.